0: What up world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Blazers played a preseason game tonight against Utah Jazz that looked a lot like a regular season game, which means that's what we're going to talk about. I want to start just talking about rotation stuff. Uh, Blazers treated this one like a dress rehearsal, dry run, whatever you want to call it. So I think we got mild insight into what regular season will look like when they when they start next week Uh, i want to talk about some specific things from player things i noticed and talk a little about hassan whiteside who was yet again injured or at least tweaked existing injury and then i want to give some thoughts on the preseason as a whole but because this game wasn't on tv for many of you except for the dedicated league pass and illegal streamers out there league pass subscribers and people who steal stuff off the internet. A lot of you probably didn't get to watch this, so I want to go maybe a little more detail than we will when the regular season starts. If this is your first Lockdown Blazers, we do things in three parts here. Also, if this is your first Lockdown Blazers, thanks for listening. If this is your 500th, I appreciate you too. Okay, let's get into some rotation stuff, because I, I really think that's, for me, the big takeaway that was going to come from this game. Terry Stotts mostly treated this like a regular season game, running his starters up towards 30 minutes those uh, for those that were healthy enough to play there. Damon CJ would have pushed about 34 if the game had gone normally for the final five minutes, about maybe 34, 35. So yeah, this was pretty much a normal game rotation-wise, which meant that we saw the starting group that I've suspected would be the starting group since July. Dame, C.J. Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, Hassan Whiteside. I kind of thought, since Pal, it sounds like Pau Gasol might not be ready for the beginning of the season, that maybe Zach doesn't start, uh, but that was not the case. I think this was Terry Stott's tip in his hand. We now know who the starting five is. It's a secret he protects. Like, it's much more important than it is. But I don't think this was a surprise. Maybe the the surprise, though, was who came off the bench first and how the rotation looked, and I want to get into that. Uh, the first sub was Anthony Tolliver, but I don't think that was the plan. Hassan Whiteside cut his finger trying to block a shot, cut his, cut his hand on the rim, cut his finger, had to go back to the locker room to get that cleaned up. So Tolliver came in and Zach Collins slid up to the five. I think that was just a product that was injury related. I don't, Anthony Tolliver wasn't going to be the first sub. Uh, the guy who was the, who I presumed to be the first sub was Kent Bazemore. He came off the bench next, but I thought he was going to come in for CJ McCollum. I'll get into more of this soon. He came in for Rodney Hood, which was a little surprising for me. I thought CJ McCollum would likely be the first sub so Terry Stotts can get him back in, but that's not how it worked out. Instead, CJ came off a little bit later when Scalabissiere and Mario Hazonia came in, and then you got Dame plus a bench unit to close out the quarter. Dame played the entire first quarter, something I think he's done fairly regularly last season. But in the past, when they would stagger Damon CJ and bring CJ back to run with the second unit, Dame would come out maybe with about the 10-minute mark. We didn't see that tonight. We also, surprisingly, didn't see Anthony Simon until the second quarter started. I thought that was a little bit of a surprise. I want to talk a little bit more about that in the second second segment here. But uh, yeah, no no ant until the second quarter. But when he was on the court, the Blazers went small-ish. Mario Hazonia playing power forward next to Scalabasier, and that unit got absolutely cooked. Um, They gave up a 16-6 run in four minutes. If you've been listening to other podcasts, I I wasn't looking at the box score during preseason, but this game was real enough that it made me look at the box score and even take some notes. Getting close to the real thing. Um, In the third quarter... Hassan Whiteside got injured again, which I think kind of uh, yet again maybe skewed what the normal rotation would look like. Uh, this was the big news of the day. Whiteside coming down for a rebound, uh, appeared to re-roll that same left ankle that bothered him in training camp and kept him out of about eight days of practice and a preseason game. Uh, he left the game pretty much immediately after that and did not return, was ruled out pretty quickly by the Blazers training staff. Uh, Dane played the whole third quarter again after these subs, and we went back to a pretty similar sub pattern, except Scalabusier was the first guy off the bench, not Anthony, not Anthony Tolliver. Dame, but Dame played the whole third quarter again, which meant that the Blazers opened the fourth quarter with a mostly bench lineup, bench guys and Rodney Hood. But this time we saw something a little bit more intriguing, especially for a nerd and small ball lover like me. Anthony Tolliver got to play some center. I thought Scalabasier sucked in his first shift. Um, he had a couple buckets and an offensive rebound. But I I didn't think he looked good. Sucked might be too strong of a word. I apologize. Uh, I, I think he struggled a little bit. I don't think he was very good. And I think Terry Stotts mostly agreed with me because he gave a look at that super small lineup with Anthony Tolliver, who's played some small forward in his career playing center. You love it. You love to see it. I loved... Um, Tolliver's probably the only true four on the roster, but he's certainly more five than three at this point in his career. And that group was pretty good. Uh, Blazers really pulled away in the third quarter. Uh, they were really good. Starters were really good uh, during that stretch. But um, but Tolliver was useful in that, in the beginning of the fourth quarter um, small lineup, the Blazers basically s- made the Jazz give up, made him cry uncle. About six minutes left, Quinn Snyder pulled his guy's Terry Stotts followed suit. The Blazers won by double digits, or they would have won by double digits, except for the bench almost blew it. But they didn't. Even if they had blown it, it wouldn't have changed my opinion. of What we saw during the first three quarters that the Blazers played easily their best game of the preseason. I thought they looked as sharp on both ends as they've looked all preseason. I thought playing against a uh, a Jazz team that was playing its guys, playing 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 this game straight up. I thought this was going to be an interesting test, a good measurement. Um, but uh, this was as sharp as the Blazers had looked. And I think that's important because they'd looked pretty bad uh, in preseason prior to this. What I want to talk about in the second segment is some specifics. What I saw from specific guys, uh, what – Hassan Whiteside's ankle injury might mean, all those things. But I, I gave you the sort of quick overview and rotation stuff. Uh, I think the really big takeaway from the rotation stuff is that Damon CJ didn't, didn't stagger. We didn't see CJ come back and play with that second unit like he has in the past. That was surprising to me. That might have been because of uh, the big man injuries kind of shook things up and changed what Stotts wanted to do. But that's the big takeaway. If this was the dress rehearsal the way the uh, first act played out was somewhat surprising to me. All right, second segment, we'll get into more specifics, though. I don't want to waste it now. But before we get there, though, I want to tell you guys about Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code on at checkout. All right, so we talked Blazers rotation stuff, what it looked like, how it functioned. Um, I started with that, and I I'll just let me reiterate, because I think that's the most important thing for these preseason games. Who plays with who and when uh, is a key decider. But how they played matters, and that's what I want to talk about now. How they played. Do you remember in previous podcasts I said I wasn't concerned about Damian Lillard, who hadn't looked great in preseason? Well, yeah, I wasn't concerned because he came out tonight and looked like one of the 10 best players in the league. He was very good and really aggressive, like clearly aggressive looking for his own offense, not just pulling up and shooting from deep, kind of classic day moments, but getting to the rim a little bit more, um, beating double teams before they got there and trapped him. You know, teams are going to trap him. He knows it's coming. And I thought in this game, he did a good job of just turning the corner and going. He looked he looked really good. looked really good. This was um this was Dame at I don't know peak is the right word, but this was Dame playing at his level. So I wasn't worried about him because I knew this was hiding somewhere and it came out tonight. CJ McCollum for the second straight game looked fantastic on offense. He was so dialed, so sharp. He took a couple threes in that semi transition that were just bottoms, like just as soon as you let it go, yep, that's in net. Net barely moves. CJ's game might not evolve much like he kind of is what he is but what he is is one of the best in one-on-one scorers in the league i don't know if there's a like this huge step forward he can take in his game but if he plays at this level consistent consistently plays are gonna be really good he's been awesome on offense the last two nights Thought Zach Collins was also really, really good tonight. He made all six of his shots, but it wasn't just it wasn't just the perfect box score. I, his shooting numbers um, are less important than sort of what he did. He's he's really done a good job in this preseason finding space in the mid-range. Uh, something that really wasn't part of his game last year. Maybe in part because he was playing with Myers Leonard, who was operating on the perimeter, so he needed to get deeper into the paint, or he was playing with uh Ennis Cantor, who was deep in the paint, so Zach needed to space out deeper. I think now he's um he's kind of figuring out his spots with where he's going to be uh, on this, with this particular grouping. And he's really found his ability to sort of set those mid, middle pick and rolls, um maybe a little lower down on the floor, and just open up and hit mid-range jumpers. He's looked good on those. Not something that was necessarily part of his game, but he always had pretty good shooting touch, shooting form, so I'm not surprised he's making those. Uh, also, I thought Zach was smarter around the rim. Sometimes he goes up a little bit slower or hesitates um, and gets a shot blocked or just does things like that. I thought he was really smart about um, the pace and force with, with how he finished around the rim in these games. And he was just really good on defense. Dude has great defensive instincts. They showed up tonight. Um, he's a really good defensive player in the league. Uh, additionally, the Jazz are really small up front. Royce O'Neal is their starting power forward, mostly because they just don't really have a a useful power forward in the roster. They traded away Jay Crowder, who was their sort of best option there last season. They let Derek Favors leave in free agency, who was maybe not their best option, but at least someone who could play that position relatively well. So Royce O'Neal is probably more of a three and a pretty good good perimeter defender, but not really like a a guy who can guard someone who's like Zach Collins, who's basically center-sized. And I thought Zach bullied bullied him. He bullied that fool. Uh that was good to see. Um Zach's gotten better over the last season and a half at taking at using his size on offense uh in intelligent ways. I thought he did a really good job of just being bigger and being um and winning that battle up front. The Blazers didn't really crush the offensive glass, but they did use their size well when they had it. Camp Bazemore just does a lot of things. Uh, when I watch his game, he just does so many. He just does a lot of positive stuff on defense, deflections, just solid rotations, and because he's just flying around, playing hard on defense. Um, he also took six threes tonight. He didn't. He only. I think he only hit two. Yeah, two of six from three. Look at me looking at the box score for you guys. I told you I'd do it. Um, but I think it's important that he takes six threes. Uh, Kevin Pelton of ESPN points out that gravity on offense is usually defined more by. Uh, three-point attempts than three-point makes. So Bazemore just being, just Bazemore pulling from deep is helpful for this offense. Um, You know, if he makes one more, he has a great shooting night. The good version of Mario Zonia showed up against the Jazz. Dude's a menace in transition. He gets out in the open. His combination of size, 6'8 and like 230, um, and his speed at that size, just really hard for people to deal with. There's just not a lot of dudes um, who who move at his size, like he moves. um, He struggled a little bit in the half court. I have some concerns about him as a half court offensive player, but he had some honest to God half court offense jump shots. Multiple three-pointers. Blazers hit a ton of threes in this game, 15 of 27 from deep. And Hazonia got in on the act, two of four from the outside. He also hit a little 19-foot pull-up on the switch, like a long two. um. Yeah, he scored in in the half court. You like to see it. Um, This was, listen, I'm not going to go too deep into reading into Hazonia's game, but this is the good version of Hazonia. Um, You know, he rebounded and pushed off defensive rebounds. I think he had three assists. He scored in double figures because he was aggressive, picked his spots to run. Uh, This is the guy who the Blazers, this is sort of like the, the, ideal version of own that the Blazers think they can coax out of him. Uh, we haven't really seen it in his other stops, but the Blazers really think they can do it. Also, just on the whole, as long as we're talking fast breaks and playing playing with pace, I thought the Blazers did a really good job of uh, picking their spots when they when they wanted to get early offense. They didn't really run all that much, like in terms of just true fast breaks. I don't think they, they really had a ton of fast break opportunities, but they they did a good job of just getting early offense. Um just pushing the pace and picking their spots, getting little early actions for guys to get uh, mismatches, either you know have Rodney Hood sprint the floor and get a post-up against Mike Conley, have Zach Collins sprint the floor and get a little seal, uh, hit it ahead a couple times just to get the defense all forced to one side and they can reset when, uh, when defense is kind of unbalanced and have run a quick pick and roll and have Dame attack against a defense that's not totally set. I mean, that's kind of half-court offense, but it's triggered by them just getting into stuff a little bit sooner. You know, they've talked about running because every team is legally obligated to talk about running the same way. Every seven footer is legally obligated to talk about shooting threes during the preseason. But I think the Blazers kind of put it into, they put it into practice a little bit today against the jazz and, and not in the way that's going to be, they're going to become a team that is, you know, top 10 and fast break points. I just don't see that happening. Not with this crew, not with the way they play, not with the way Damon CJ are, but, uh, Attacking early, hitting it ahead, and letting uh, Kent Bazemore push, hitting it ahead, and let uh, Rodney Hood probe a little bit. Those little things help the offense. And even if you have to get back into the half court, I I, I think the Blazers showed some promise there. To me, that was pretty meaningful. To be honest, I think um, I think what the Blazers did in the third quarter, just with their shooting and their just ability to blow a not wide open, but a tie game at halftime, turned into a double-digit edge and then not go away. This is what I've kind of been waiting for. Kind of been waiting for them to play well. I think this, I've said it a bunch of times, I think this team's going to flirt with 50 wins again this season. But they hadn't looked like a team that could win 50 games yet in preseason. But that's what I want to talk about in the third segment. The Blazers looked good tonight. They looked good against the Jazz. But if the Blazers had looked bad against the Jazz if they played poorly against the Jazz how would I have reacted so that's what I want to talk about in uh, the third segment is how to judge preseason on the whole what we learned about this Blazer team because we're a week away from the regular season this time next week I'll be talking to you after the Blazers home opener against the Denver Nuggets so before we get there I want to talk a little bit about what, if anything, we learned in preseason and how to approach the sort of exhibition games as a whole? All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond, still past first point guard. We talked Blazers rotation, talked sort of specific things we saw in the game, and now I want to zoom out a little bit. The Blazers are going to play their final preseason game on Thursday. They're not going to play any of their guys. I mean, maybe they'll play guys very limited minutes, but it's the second night of a back-to-back. It's the last preseason game, and it's a game against the Denver Nuggets in Denver, the team they play on opening night of the regular season. I would be surprised if... I'm going to say Hassan Whiteside just straight up won't play based on his ankle injury. I'd be surprised if Damon CJ played. Maybe we'll see a little bit of Rodney Hood and Ken Bazemore. Maybe we'll see a little bit of Mario Hozonia. but I think this is a game where the back half of the rotation and the training camp guys, the training camp invite guys play a ton of minutes. Gary Trent Jr., get ready. You're going to play a bunch. So that's why I want to take this opportunity, this moment while we have it, to talk about kind of what we learned in preseason. I said in the previous podcast that I don't think these games matter. And I mean that pretty sincerely. Like, I I think this was a strong performance against the Jazz, but I don't think it matters. And I want to use the Utah Jazz as as an example to kind of Illustrate that. The Jazz have been getting shelled in preseason. Their offense has really, really struggled. They've just been hemorrhaging points. Gave up a ton of points to the Kings, gave up a ton of points to the Pelicans. In fact, in their last four preseason games, they've given up 133, 128, 128, and now 126 to the Blazers. This is one of the elite defensive teams in the NBA last year. The reigning defensive player of the year and Rudy Gobert manning their front line and they don't look very good but here's why i say preseason doesn't matter because if you were a utah jazz fan and you said this team can win the west or this team can make the western conference finals i don't think the way they've played in these few games would totally knock you off that belief in fact i think you should if you thought Ten days ago that the Jazz could make the Western Conference Finals. You're not going to find me in that boat, y'all. Sorry, I don't work for ESPN. But, if you were one of those people, sorry to hate ESPN, the Jazz are just the darling. I'm making fun of them. I think they're going to be really good. But to my larger point, if you thought the Jazz were going to be really good ten days ago, the way they've played in these exhibition games that don't really matter shouldn't sway you. What you should do is be able to recognize the actual problems. They're a little small on the front line. They maybe took a step back defensively with their second unit. They're maybe not as good defensively there as they were before. They they just don't have as many minutes when they're big. And bigger teams, generally speaking, defend the rim better, play defense better. They have fewer minutes when they're big. They have maybe some defensive shortcomings they didn't have a year before. Last season, right? With a new group, they're a little bit worse on defense. But if you thought this team was going to be really good, you probably still think they're going to be really good. But here's the caveat. Okay, they had this obvious struggle in preseason. So you can't bury them. And I feel the same way about the Blazers. If they had lost this game, if they were the team that looked like the Jazz, oh, their offense isn't clicking, oh, they're not, they haven't been really strong on defense, oh, the second unit isn't doing this and that, oh, Mario Ozone can't shoot. I would have brushed it off the same way I'd brushed it off at the Jazz. If you thought the Blazers, if you're one of those people who thinks the Blazers can win the NBA championship, I've heard you people talking about it, I've heard the team talking about it. If 10 days ago you thought the Blazers could win the championship, nothing in this preseason, good or bad, should have swayed you from that belief. We just just haven't seen enough. But you can start to recognize where their issues are. And I think, number one, their issue is just depth along the front line. You know, uh, Hassan Whiteside going out again tonight kind of uh, illustrated that. Scalabusier playing center. You know, first guy off the bench in the second half. Anthony Tolliver playing center. This uh, funky small ball lineup, which puts, you know, five guys on the perimeter. They're all of a sudden mixing and matching to kind of just get a, get a center on the floor and get Zach Collins some rest. And a second unit that hasn't looked Fantastic. Now, the Blazers' strengths have been obvious too, but you kind of knew those strengths 10 days ago. You've been able maybe to identify some weaknesses you didn't know, but generally speaking, preseason didn't tell you very much. It didn't inform you very much. It maybe gave you a hint of what to look for. The Jazz are weak on defense, they could use a power forward. The Blazers have. Limited depth along the front line, and they really need us on Whiteside to stay healthy if they're going to compete. You kind of got the little details, but you didn't get any sort of overarching narrative-changing truths from preseason. So that's why I'm going to ignore the game on on Thursday. I might watch it on League Pass. I'm a League Pass junkie, but everything I needed to know, I kind of saw spelled out for me here. There are some questions. Whiteside's health among them. What Anthony Anthony Simon's role is, quite frankly, only played 15 minutes tonight. Thought he would be in the 20-plus range on this team. Kind of looks like Kent Bazemore and Rodney Hood have leapfrogged him in that regard. If I thought Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tolliver were going to be battling for that final rotation spot heading into preseason... What I've learned in preseason is both those dudes are going to play and Terry Saults is going to go 10 deep. You've learned some things. We all we've learned we've learned some small things, but we haven't learned any big picture big headline stuff from the preseason. There's no news. Little insights. But nothing big. The big stuff comes next week when the Blazers play a real game against a very good Nuggets team. I'll have podcasts leading up to that one. But do me a favor. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. Tell them they can find this podcast wherever they already get them. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.